Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Balenciaga, perversion so normalized they couldn't see it, presidential contenders for the GOP in 2024. I know it's early, but we got to be thinking about that. The GOP to investigate Biden accomplices and Ukraine laundering investigation. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiavis. I want to be sure to call your attention first to our Thursday shows. Tomorrow, Thursday, we have joining us on our, our Thursday shows are special for a variety of reasons. We have in-studio audience. We have one long one-hour interview with someone. Tomorrow, we're going to be interviewing the Arizona chair of the GOP, Dr. Kelly Ward. And as you've been talking about this week, Arizona is just the uh, center of much controversy relating to the 2022 midterms and, uh, and the ongoing pressure by people who are seeking election integrity to expose uh, the various ways in which election fraud occurs. So we, uh, Kelly Ward has been a longtime friend of the show, been on many times, spoken at a couple of my summits. Uh, she is a... Um, She's a medical doctor. She's the, uh, ran the, for the United States Senate. She's a was a former state senator in Arizona and just a um, a, a real patriot in, in every way that matters. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow. I'll be sure to call your attention to that. And on the first five today, you know, um, this there's this story that made a lot of headlines this week, and I'll just uh, I'm sure you saw it, but it involves a very 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 high end uh, fashion magazine. Uh, brand called Balenciaga, uh, which I actually had never heard of. I will confess, hardly a fashionista here, but um, it made a lot of uh, controversy because they had a, a series, an advertisement with um, a, a big advertising campaign uh, involving pictures with children uh, who were holding uh, teddy bear purses uh, with symbols on them of um, BDSM, basically bondage attire, you know, attire that you would, that would go with some kind of uh, sexual bondage uh, conduct. And, you know, I want to mention it for a couple of reasons that I think really, um, you know, I, I, as I say, I've never even heard of them before. I, I'm, I did look briefly at their website. You know, they have you know, purses that are more expensive than I've ever paid for one, whatever. You know, I, I really don't care. If people want to be into high fashion, I think it's great. But this caused such controversy. Public people were saying you are putting children in advertisements with holding purses with symbols of, of sexual bondage, of, of, you know, perversion, sexual perversion of children. You're expressly supporting uh, this apparently widespread sex trafficking with children, uh, you know, the, the horrific pornogra pornography industry, which has a lot to do with um, spreading 
child pornography and child sexual pornography, just, just the mentally sickest thing you can possibly imagine. So Balenciaga backed down right away. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. They took it down. They apologized. And, you know, um, because the, the pressure and the, the public attention to them was just too much. So they backed down and said, we're so sorry. But I want to talk about it for two reasons. Uh, one is that this um, idea, this magazine made a mistake needs to be rejected. If you are a fashion magazine, you are looking at every single iota of what, uh, of what someone's wearing, of attire. These are conscious decisions. It isn't like they happen to shoot a scene of some kids out, you know, um, doing some wholesome activity, and uh, strangely is one little symbol related to sexual perversion of children or sexual assault on children, you know, slipped its way in. This was a conscious choice by Balenciaga to put that kind of thing in an advertising campaign. And, and especially because they're dedicated to fashion, to reviewing closely the look of things, the style, everything about what they do is consciously decided. And so they don't get a pass on saying, oops, sorry, we, we didn't realize what that meant. They did know. They didn't know what it meant. And what I really want to say about it is, you know, there is a world of concern about rising sexual exploitation of children, a world of concern about sex trafficking across America's southern border and all over the world, much concern about the growing legitimization uh, of the of sexual relations between adults and children. You know, it's just it used to be kind of everyone understood, you know, pedophilia was a mental illness. And any adult who claimed to be interested in sexually being involved with a child, you know, had a mental health problem. They, they were seriously something wrong with them in plain English. But now we have the growing, you know, you aren't supposed to really talk about them as pedophiles. Um, they, uh, they have a really soft kind of um, euphemistic term for it. It's like man, um, uh, adult child attraction or something like that. They find out names to use. And so my point is, Culturally, and especially in the kind of ruling elite, you know, higher people who think they're higher class, there's a sense that as part of growing and understanding, you know, kind of growing out of provincial morality and growing out of traditional Christian morality into kind of the more enlightened world, that it really shouldn't have such a bad connotation for pedophilia. We ought to have, be open to it, uh, recognize it's very common, and, and some people like to engage in it. And, you know, children should have a, you know, there shouldn't be such a strong line of what constitutes a crime. There's just a growing legitimization of sex with children compounding that with a growing uh, industry making films and videos and online pornography that's just grotesque involving sexual, uh, you know, sexual relations between adults and children and, and physical assault of children sexually. It is, a, I mean, it is a perverse and growing industry. And what I want to say about this, uh, this back to Balenciaga, they chose the content on purpose. They had the kids, children are holding purses, uh, holding teddy bear purses with bondage symbols on them. And they did that at a time when they all know the same things I just told you. They know we have a serious problem with pedophilia in this country. They know we have a serious problem with child sex trafficking over the border. They know all of these things. And there's a growing concern that at Balenciaga, they're so familiar, and, and entities like that, they're so familiar with the whole 
concept that this is a growing, you know, a thought is changing, you know, society is growing out of our antiquated provincial, you know, puritanical concepts about um, human sexuality, and we really ought to be open to more than modern thinking, what the heck, you know, adults and sex with children, that's okay, you know, this is a, it's a, it's a, an assault on American society. It's an assault on children. It's an assault on the innocence, that, the innocency of a childhood that every child deserves. But these people who put this out there, whoever was all the people involved, they had to recognize what the symbolism means. And I think they are so now immersed in this culture that just wants to reduce or sweep away any sense of sexual morality involving children any sense of sexual mores that commonly upheld the civilized world for thousands of years, they are in the, in the circles that are really good with the idea of get rid of traditional Christian morality or Judeo-Christian morality, get rid of all that concept, let's all be modern, let's all be real. And they're so immersed in it and so thinking has become, this, this new way of thinking has become so widespread and accepted, it never occurred to them that they would have pushback at the level they did by putting this out. I really want you to think about that. <laughs> they had to retract it, say they're sorry, they, they're really, really sorry, sorry about that, and took it down. And they you know, had a few of the famous people, a Kardashian, one of them, you know, really rethinking her relationship with this fashion line. But I'm telling you, the worst thing it reflects is that people in this ilk, this high society, high fashion, you know, new morality, we're, we're so far past traditional Christian morality, it did not occur to them that what they were putting out there would be offensive to people. They are so far gone in terms of common, normal morality that it never occurred to them that people would object. They thought this would be cool, maybe a little cutting edge, but really cool. And actually, I'm thrilled they got the pushback they did. And I'm thrilled that some of, and actually some people, there have been athletes speaking out, saying a lot more than just, you know, um, denouncing it, but really just saying, what the heck was anyone thinking, even putting it out there? So um, I, I think in this era where we have just the, um, this growing kind of Marxist takedown of America, this Marxist replacing traditional Christian uh, thinking, replacing traditional Western civilization thinking about America and the ideas of our founding, our freedom, all that being swept aside by the growing uh, leftism in this world, in this country, pushed aside by the growing atheism, just, just, you know, not just not believing in God, but strident, confrontational atheism, just, a, just to want to eviscerate everything Western civilization ever stood for, this is a good little wake-up call right here, a good little wake-up call that actually there are still millions of people outraged by the idea that you would dress a small child in a, in a fashion, you know, fashion magazine or a fashion site dressed in and, or holding on to um, a, a teddy bear purse that, that had the symbols of bondage, the, the, the grotesque notion of sexual assault of children. It's a great thing that Balenciaga got that wake-up call. It's kind of sick that they needed it, but a great thing. It's also a great call to the rest of us to, who still want to live in a sane society with, with, with traditional values and respect for children's innocency and their right to have an innocent and good childhood. It's really an eye-opener, I hope, for people to recognize how far gone the people at Balenciaga had to be. They didn't even realize you'd be offended. 
And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so I want to talk today about the um, presidential race of 2024. Yes, I realize it's not even the end of 2022 yet, and I realize a lot's going to happen. And that's one of my themes, that a lot is going to happen. But it's a really important time. Leave aside for a moment anyone who says they're running on the GOP side. Forget about the people. Just the concept, where we are in the course of American history, where we are as a country in 2022. And by that I mean, we've talked before about all these you know, famous historians have studied history and pointed out that basically most republics, most countries, republics like ours, last about 250 years. And they either implode from within, they are destroyed by internal warring factions, or they're invaded and taken over, but they weaken, they lose their, they, they lose who they are. And that for America, that 250 years is coming right up, July 4th, 2026. And so there, what we, and I will, I want to say, as I always say when I talk about this topic, there are people who just treat this as, well, this is the way it is. Yeah, you know, America's been great. What a great, what a great country. Now we're going somewhere else. America does not have to fall prey to that idea of the um, countries have to go their own way or countries fall apart for 250 years. America doesn't have to do that. It's, it's not like a law of gravity or a law of mathematics. It's absolute. It's just a historical observation. And in America, our founding ideas are so unique and so extraordinary and so timeless and so right and so rooted in, ju in just truth of the nature of man and God and life that we should be able to hold on to it. But the reason it matters so much to get this big perspective before we talk about all the GOP candidates, and I'll probably do this a few more times before the 2024 elections, but the left in this country, the Democrat Party, which formerly was in the American playing field, you know, that politics, as they say, used to be between the 40-yard lines, if you do a football analogy, but where the Democrat Party now lives, they have utterly and 100% embraced the Marxist agenda. They don't all say, I'm a member of the Democrat Socialist Party of America. I mean, a few of them do. A growing number of elected Democrats say that. And the Communist Party, back to the time the Communist Party really stood up in America, and right after World War II, the Communist Party of the United States of America put together their 45 goals for what, they, what it would take to take down America. And they were saying, we can't beat America militarily. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to take them down, but we can destroy them from within. And the 45 goals, those, the members of the Chinese, the, excuse me, the, uh, the Communist Party of the United States of America, CPUSA, those 45 goals were well down the list of goals, checked off, did that, did that, did that, did that. So we are watching, in the big historical terms, we're watching the takedown of America. We're watching the taking away of America, of the country rooted in freedom, the promise of our founding, of the Declaration, of the, of the Constitution. We're losing that unique greatness. And that unique greatness of America is what made America the country that it became for the world, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth, the place that everybody wants to come if they can. The country is still viewed as a land of opportunity. America became that special, that extraordinary, that great. They really, truly did. And so you had the, um, the um, 
Communist Party put those, that list in there saying that's what they wanted to do, and they have assiduously, through their many, many members and, and infiltration of institutions, they have pushed their agenda and pushed their agenda and pushed their agenda so that we are way down the path of doing what they really wanted, which was the takedown of America as founded, America rooted in individual freedom and respect for the individual. And so here we sit in 2022, we had, you know, we had eight years uh, relatively recently of President Obama from tw uh, tw 2008 to 16, we had Obama in office and he, he vastly pushed forward and enabled and moved the communist agenda forward. And, and he's, uh, the guy's a Marxist, you know, and he, he's, and, and he's trained by Marxists, he's, he touts them, he supports them, as where his head is. And so he's that mindset. You had four years of Trump trying to pull America back over the cliff and back to the no of some notion of where America was founded. And now you have the third term of Obama occurring right now in the form of Joe Biden. And so we're at a place right now where we're really trying to say, do we have a body of Americans, a, a voting base of Americans who see what's happening and will do anything to save this country, who will fight to get people in office who will stand up and speak up for America? That is the question. Do we have that? Do we have enough people recognizing the consequence of the 2024 elections is not just to make sure that whoever is in the, in the Oval Office has an R by their name instead of a D by their name, but do we have a fighter who sees the battle for America that we're really in and can talk about it in some way and can raise the awareness of the American people of the severe threat to the future of freedom in America we face right now because of how far left today's Democrat Marxist party has gone. In fact, the communists even said, we don't have to keep pushing the communist party of America. You know, we, we've got the Democrat party. They're, they're taking everything we want, hook, line, and sinker. So this is really, I mean, these are just massively consequential times. Because people, if we manage to save America and bring her back to the founding roots and the concepts of all the things the Declaration says, the right of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, individual freedom, rights from God, the Bill of Rights, all the, thing, all the things the left is striving to destroy. If we restore that, people will look back and say, thank God there were Americans who were awake to what was happening who didn't just think the 2024 presidential election was just another, you know, every four years, pick a new president, you might get a D, you might get an R, and then you squibble and you, know, you quarrel and fight over issues. But see this battle, see the 2024 election as a battle for whether or not we have the future of freedom, the promise of the Constitution and the Declaration, or do we continue down the path that the Democrat Marxist Party is taking America today toward the loss of individual freedom, the loss of the rule of law, the loss of sovereignty, the loss of everything good about America? It's that serious. That is what the 2024 election is going to be all about. And so you have people talking about running. Obviously, Donald Trump already declared he is running. And, you know, obviously, a large part running on a platform of, I won the last time and, you know, I was stolen, which uh, I think everyone, I mean, I will tell you, I think plenty of Republicans 
even the ones who are telling him to stop saying that, even the ones who are saying, you know, uh, we can't win that battle, don't keep arguing about the 2020 elections, even they, they know he won. I mean, Republicans around the country, they know he won in 2020. So they see him standing up in 2024 as, you know, he's coming back and, and you know, they, they kind of have a sense he, he kind of deserves a chance because they took it away from him. But anyway, so you have Donald Trump declared. And I'm just going to say, I did my little intro of this topic the way I did because I want to make the point to you that this election if you don't like Donald Trump, and I understand there are Republicans who just, they think he can't win. We have, we have friends who are, you know, pretty solid, rock, rock solid conservatives saying, but Donald Trump can't win. We need this person, that person, this person, that person. I ask you to think about who will fight, who will stand up and call out. I mean, Donald Trump is the only one I'm aware of that's been on a national stage calling out the left for becoming socialist. And in his, I think it was his second State of the Union, Donald Trump looked right at Bernie Sanders and said America would never be a socialist nation. I mean, it was one of the best moments of his presidency. Okay, so what's been happening over the weekend, this past weekend, Christine Noam uh, was interviewed. She's the governor of South Dakota. She's on people's short list, and maybe she'll run. So Christine Noam is in people's thought as a possible person. Uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, and everyone, I'll, I'll run through all these. Tim Scott, who is uh, a still current senator, senator. Uh, Liz Cheney actually thinks she can run, and then they, and then you know Mike Pence and Mike Pompeo, all of them are you know vying for who's the most likely to be able to win. I'll, I'll put a quick comma there to go back to the Democrat side. You know I know Biden says he's going to run, and and I was wrong in 2020. I kept saying. They're never going to leave Biden in. Biden is obviously suffering some form of dementia. He is not competent. He can't, he can't articulate three sentences in a row. He loses track of what he's talking about, where he is, what he's. I mean, you know, he's. And I'm sorry because I have seen very senior relatives in my family suffer with dementia, and it's horrible. I am not mocking. I am just stating what is an obvious fact to millions of Americans. Joe Biden is suffering from some severe form of mental decline. He's only going to be worse in 2024. I thought that Dems would pull him in 2020. I feel sure they were in 2024. I've already had, um, you know, some noises being made by various people. Maybe they're going to run instead. The California governor, Gavin Newsom, was widely reported as he's going to run. He's going to, you know, jump in and save the day, and he's going to run for uh, president in 2024. It says Gavin Newsom of California. He came out a couple days ago and said, not doing it. I am not going to run against Joe Biden. Joe Biden says he is going to run. I don't believe the Democrat Party is going to let him do that because the, he's made America miserable for the last two years, and he will continue doing the same. I think they'll be looking for someone new, and I think their best bet in terms of flat-out popularity is probably Michelle Obama. And I know people say, well, you know, she doesn't want to run. She always says, I don't want to run. She wants to run. I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. She will be talked into running, I think, because there's nobody else who has her, what they view to be her, I don't even know what word they use, popularity, charisma. They think she's really special. They think she's really, and she is, I mean, she has a, you know, as her husband, you know, Barack Obama really didn't have a lot of uh, experience 
and and yet he easily won the nomination and he easily won the presidency the first time uh, of course he was running against john mccain so that was like hardly fair in any case um and so but i think that michelle obama is a very likely contender so when you're looking at the people on the republican side who should run you got to be thinking who's going to stand up against and, and and you know butt heads with michelle obama because if you have a for example, a Mitt Romney kind of guy. Mitt Romney is not running again, so far as I know. Heaven help us. I believe he's not running again. But if you have a Mitt Romney, as an example, Mitt Romney couldn't even bring himself to criticize, in the slightest, in the slightest, Barack Obama. And there were plenty of reasons he should have. In that 2012 presidential race, Mitt Romney should have been all over Barack Obama and, you know, taking over the health care system, pushing America into socialized medicine, all the things he could have piled on. And he just didn't do one darn thing. He was, he thought he was being a statesman. This is now, I'm speaking now, Mitt Romney. He thought he was being a statesman. He thought the higher thing is we don't criticize. We just talk policy. We just talk like what a swell guy I am because I'm married and I have kids and uh, I am very wealthy. I mean, just a smug, arrogant wouldn't not a fighter not a fighter not even a you know a, a not even a forceful spokesman for his own ideas and so he you know got clobbered well we never know what the real outcome of any elections were because of election fraud but at least as reported he was clobbered uh in the 2012 presidential election uh, by barack obama and frankly he ran a really wimpy uh not a leader not a backbone no passion kind of guy that's who um, Mitt Romney is. And I raise that to say that was Mitt Romney responding to Barack Obama. Now, in 2024, someone on the GOP side is going to be running, and it's likely, I would say, it's going to be against Michelle Obama. And she gets all sorts of accolades because she's often, when you do polling, the most popular woman in America, the most loved woman in America, blah, 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 blah. And so people think she's very, very viable. And they they poll and talk about that. Oh, yeah, people love her. She was great. But, and so when you look at on the Republican side, you have to have someone who isn't just going to be a very proper statesman and stand with the very erect you know, posture and speak precisely about the virtues of freedom and free markets or someone to speak precisely and very glowingly about the beauties of America and our traditions and our Constitution. You need a fighter. You need someone who's going to point out to the world who the Obamas are, what they stand for, what her husband did during his presidency, because he's going to be, if she were to win in 2024, it's going to be Barack Obama's fourth term as president, because she doesn't want the job. She's made that, she likes their lifestyle. She likes going on talk shows and complaining about America and criticizing her fellow Americans and complaining about people uh, and, and, you know, didn't like her and it's all about race. I mean, she just, she lives a victim mode and the uh, woe is me. I and mean, this is what she wants. She doesn't want to have to run the country. But it's okay because Barack will do it for her. So now back to the GOP contenders. I mentioned the ones I, I can see as really, um, I mean, Christy Noam is, you know, whatever that's the expression, she's uh, shining up her crown, you know, she's, she's thinking about this. She's, you know, she got 
a lot of um, negative feedback. She did a good job on COVID. She was trying to keep, keep the state open. She backed down instantaneously on the subject of men participating in women's sports. She was behind the bill all the way. She said she was going to sign it. Yeah, we're not going to have that here in, in, in the great state of South Dakota. We're not going to have boys in the girls' locker room, blah, blah, blah. And then the NCAA approached her and said, you know, if you pass this law, we'll, we'll pull all our events from South Dakota. And she turned on a dime. She found some technical excuse. I didn't really change my mind. I just, blah, 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 blah. She didn't have the backbone. Now, that was one example. Maybe she's learned from that. Maybe she's learned because she went down in many people's estimation, drastically down in polling, just like, nope, she doesn't have it. She too quickly capitulated. So, you have, But you have her. She's doing all these, these shows, uh, weekend shows, and talking about herself and the future and, you know, farming is so important and the food supply and, and, and you know, needing to have diesel fuel that's not too expensive because the farmers need it. She's talking relevant issues. She's talking kitchen table issues. She's very pretty and very presentable. I've met her a couple times. And she's very pretty, and she's, she's very um, – likable i mean she's she's a likable person um so she is, is one people say well maybe she would be you know woman against woman if it was to be michelle obama and christian noam i don't see her as a fighter i will tell you i feel very concerned about her as a fighter i also will say did you realize that donald trump endorsed her the day before elections he endorsed her i think it was on november 7th i'm gonna double check that i think it was november 7th he endorsed her and his endorsement, <clears throat> it was a video at a campaign rally on November 7th. Trump endorses her saying, Christine Noam is one of the best governors in the country. We have to reelect her by a big margin. She'll only get better. So she gets reelected, wins by 27 points. Now, I don't even know who ran against her. She's pretty popular there. Anyway, someone ran against her. And so shortly after that, Trump declares that he's running for president. He's just endorsed her, you know, obviously didn't hurt her. And um, she had pretty guarded negative things to say about Trump. What she said was, if we narrow our focus there, then we're not talking to every single American. She didn't think Trump offered the best chance for the Republican Party to win back the White House in 2024. She says our job is not just to talk to people who love Trump or hate Trump. Our job is to talk to every single American, which is kind of a one of those things politicians say when it sounds really like you're making a deep point, but you're actually saying absolutely nothing. Obviously, everyone, every candidate talks to every Republican, every Republican, every not even every Republican, every presidential candidate talks to all of America. No one gets up, including Trump, and says, I'm only talking to the people who love me or I'm only talking to the people who hate me. No one does that. So it was like a throwaway as kind of a signal from her. She's trying to sound like she's making a deep point, but she's not making a deep point at all. So she's really, you know, kind of blowing Trump off after he just endorsed her, which she's allowed to do. You know, she thinks for whatever reason it's not you know, Trump's not a good idea. But then you have Pompeo weighing in. So, so I, I tell you, on Chrissy Noam, I, I, I want to be careful what I say because whoever gets a Republican nomination, I will knock myself out to support because the other choice is going to be Michelle Obama or Joe Biden again. I don't even know who else might run on the left this time, but it's not going to be someone who believes in the idea of America. If you're willing to run these days at the presidential level or even, frankly, for Congress or Senate, and you put a D by your name, and you know what's happening to the Democrat Party, how they've been overtaken by Marxism, 
and you still put a D by your name, you have no place, no, you should not be anywhere near the levers of power, period. If you're willing to run as a Democrat for president, I don't care what you say you believe, but you say, oh, no, I'm really a moderate Democrat. No way, you're not. The Democrat Party doesn't have moderates anymore. They're all in the tank with the Marxists. It's important to get that. So anyway, so Trump makes his announcement. Another person who wants to run is Pompeo. Mike Pompeo is um, <clears throat> a good guy. Uh, Mike Pompeo is a, um, you know, he served as Secretary of State under Trump. Um, we saw him speak recently at something. He spoke, anyway, he's lost a lot of weight. He used to be really kind of rotund. Uh, he's lost a lot of weight. Very, you know, very, looks, looks good. Um, and he's, his comment about Trump running, running was, we need more seriousness, less noise. And leaders were looking forward, not staring in the rearview mirror, claiming victimhood. So that's what Pompeo had to say about Trump. And that was in a tweet. Um, and so I'm getting at the point, Trump did not, when he announced, he did not get a, just a, you know, a, a whole on endorsement from the entire Republican establishment saying, yeah, yeah, run, run, Trump, run. He didn't have that. He didn't get that, you know, he didn't get from Christy Noem or Pompeo or uh, hardly any members of Congress. In fact, I'm not sure if any member of Congress actually endorsed him right away. I know Carrie Lake endorsed him right away. Um, I think Kelly Ward did, the GOP chair of Arizona. I know Carrie Lake did. But the point is, Trump coming out to run, he didn't get, you know, the kind of everyone rally behind him, here's our guy um, response, which he might have wanted. But I'll tell you, I even take that as kind of a positive. Trump would never, ever, ever play the Washington, D.C., you know, insider. Uh, I'm the one who is, um, you know, seeking out the, um, you know, seeking out the party position. I'll find out what's best for the party leadership. He, Trump, ran on and stood on and governed on the principles he believed in, which are the Declaration, the Constitution, limited government, strong borders, you know, firm borders, strong military, free trade, uh, fair trade, bringing you know, jobs back to America. He ran to stand up for the American people, and he didn't get limited by any of the Washington establishment, even in his own party, because he didn't need their money, and he didn't need their support. He would have liked some of their support, but he ran on, and then he governed with exactly what he ran on, and this is why the American people loved him, loved him, because he actually stood up and did what he said he would do, and because they loved his, his pro-America message. And his pro-America message in part ex exposed what many people have become concerned about, which is it's not just the Democrats as our enemy, it's the uniparty in Washington. The uniparty just all in bed with themselves, Democrat and Republican, all feeding out the trial, all feeding off the off of the uh, you know fat government bureaucracies, the federal bureaucracies, the uh, systems they've cooked up to get themselves wealthy, and they all like their power, and they didn't like Trump as an outsider because he didn't need them, and he didn't he, they couldn't control him. So back to so you have Pompeo running. Pompeo has some good uh, national, I mean, international experience. He's been Secretary of State. Um, you know, he's, he's got some positives. He's, and, you know, he's, he's not a communist. I'll say that much for him, which, you know, is, I can't say for all politicians. So Pompeo piled all over him. Um, and then there were also people, um, 
I will tell you this quick polling uh, about what the American people want. Real Clear Politics did a poll about all these people running for president under, you know, this next time in 2024 on the GOP side. And I want to, if you don't know, by how many points Trump is ahead of all of them. In a poll of voters, this is Real Clear Politics, big poll of Republican voters, who do you want to have as president to be the candidate? And the answer, by 25 points, by 25 points, was Donald Trump. It's important to recognize because all these people like Christian Noam, Pompeo, um, you know, even someone like Nikki Haley, do you get that big grassroots of swelling up of American people to turn out for somebody who's going to be pretty much part of the uniparty, except they have an R by their name? Or are you going to, and, and Trump brought people out, as we talked about when he ran and won, he brought people out who hadn't voted in decades because they finally heard someone saying things they were waiting for a long time for someone to say that we should bring jobs back to America, we should get rid of the policies that drive our jobs overseas, that we need a secure border, and we have to have American workers being having opportunity to work in America. We believe in freedom and free markets and not socialism. I mean, everything he said, many things he said, brought out people who had not voted for decades by the millions. And I want you to think about, is Nikki Haley going to do that? Chrissy Noam, Mike Pompeo. And so these are just, I mean, I don't, I will tell you, I'm still, I always say I will vote for whoever wins a primary, but I do think in getting all um, behind one person now, it getting into the never Trump camp or the only Trump camp, we can't do that quite yet. But we have to continue reminding not just ourselves, reminding our friends, we talk to them in politics, reminding our friends who are, care about America, who do you think will really fight? There was actually a comment by Ken Cuccinelli, um, who, yeah, he was, he was actually Trump's homeland security official. Uh, Cuccinelli made a statement, I am not seeing a riptide of support going out with the president. So he's just saying what I was saying earlier. You don't see a bunch of people um, jumping up and down. And then Tom Tancredo, a former Colorado congressman, uh, you know, very, very influential, still very active, and very conservative guy. He said, I'm in the horns of a Florida, I'm, on, I'm in the horns of a DeSantis-Trump dilemma, a DeSantis-Trump dilemma. And so that, I think, for most conservatives, it comes down to, is it DeSantis or is it going to be um, Trump? And so this is where most conservatives get. You got Pompeo out there, you got Christian Noam out there, you got Nikki Haley. Uh, the other one that's really, really interesting, who's kind of popping up and putting his you know, toe in the water, as they say, um, is uh, South Carolina um, Congress, uh, excuse me, Senator, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. And he is a black Republican U.S. Senator and, um, you know, has been a long time. I, he's been a long time. I forget how long. I should have looked that up. But in any case, been there a while. And, and he is talking about running. And he's, to be very clear, he's actually doing it through an interview he did with Trey Gowdy, also a South Carolina guy. Um, they, they did a little interview talking about, you know, what Tim Scott stands for. And so it's really funny because... Tim Scott's a black Republican, which, you know, doesn't seem that it goes with what I'm about to say, but he's kind of a country club Republican. He's a country club, um, you know, 
got to be careful, got to be moderate. And the one thing I think proves this about him more than anything else is what he did in the Alaska primary when it got down to whether or not we had to endure yet again Lisa Murkowski. I have a little tweet. that This is a tweet put out by Tim Scott. We need strong leaders like Lisa Murkowski, someone who has worked tirelessly, tirelessly for the people of Alaska her entire career. Alaska, please join me in supporting Lisa for Senate. If you know anything about senatorial politics, Lisa Murkowski is John McCain with a dress. She is a, a you know, intentionally divisive, intentionally obstreperous, intentionally really gathers power by being never one just to say, I'm on board with the Republican agenda, let's do it. She's always the one they have to coddle and, and not bribe in some actual you know, criminal sense, but lure into supporting Republican positions because she's a moderate, she's very careful. I mean, the idea that Tim Scott endorsed her, I think speaks volumes about him and not in a good way. I mean, again, any Republican I'll take, but the reason I'm saying all this is right now, people are staking out their ground uh, of who they're going to support. And I will tell you that if you contrast how Republicans behave with how Democrats behave, it, it gives a few helpful tips to us. Biden, by anyone's estimate, whoever has to spend time with him, keep bumping that thing, sorry, anyone's estimate, whoever listens to Joe Biden, gives speeches, listens to his press conferences, watches him walk, listens to him speak at the G20 or any place else, you very quickly discern this is a guy who is suffering from some advanced form of dementia. Joe Biden is not with it, and everyone around him sees it. I mean, even during the campaign, everyone around him sees it. People do montages. I actually don't play those on my show because I think they're cruel. I might have to start doing it, but they're cruel because he loses place in the middle of a sentence. He forgets what he's running for. He forgets where he is. I mean, it's just it's excruciating. But I want to point out for you how many Democrats can you name, elected officials, I mean, who ever point this out, who ever question his capacity, who ever say, I don't think he's really uh, qualified. None. The answer is none. The Democrats say nothing about their clearly faulty, clearly confused leader. They won't do it. In fact, polling will say that, you know, a lot of Democrats really, really, really hope Biden won't run again, but they keep their dirty laundry inside their secret little caucuses, and they don't they don't pile on him like I'm sure would happen if he were a Republican, and the Republicans had their way of doing things. Biden is inept. Kamala Harris is widely disrespected, widely disliked, and her hyena cackle is enough to make you insane. So no one's pushing her. But I'm getting at the idea, on the Republican side, there are some other choices. I didn't get to Mike Pence. I guess I can briefly talk about Mike Pence. But on the Republican side... You have to get people looking at the condition America was in at the end of Trump's term in 2020 versus four years before that, at the end of Obama's two terms, versus where it will be in four years from now when Biden's finished his first and, please God, only term. What Trump did for this country was extraordinary. 
you know, you have to weigh it for yourself. Say, okay, yes, I mean, everything was better. Gas prices, taxes, border security, everything was better. Unemployment rates, unemployment rates for women and minorities, every conceivable measure of a robust country, a healthy country, a strong country, all of those measures, all were better under Trump when he finished his first term in 2020, all of it. And so when you're talking with your friends, especially the ones who say, I, would, I just could not vote for Trump. He's so nasty. I don't like his tweets. He shouldn't have said this. Why do you have to say that? I will just say, you know, yes, I, I think many of his tweets, I don't like all of his tweets. I agree. Some of them I wish he hadn't said. I think some people he's, the way he's criticized people has been unhelpful. Sure, I can go with that. Yeah, he's not always, you know, in the way he says things, not always helpful. But you have to keep drawing people back to looking at where our country was and then when he left his presidency, where it is now, where Biden's taking it, and convince people to rise above the, but I don't like him because his personality or his tweets, whatever it is, to recognize we need a fighter. Maybe Pompeo will turn out to be a fighter. Maybe Nikki Haley will turn out to be more of a fighter than I think. I, I, I have questions about her, but maybe, you know, maybe Mike Pompeo. I don't know, but we, the grassroots of people active, we have to be starting to spread the word among the people we know and talk to that we need a fighter because we are in desperate times in this country. And looking for a palatable moderate, which is what too many people are looking for, a palatable moderate is going to mean we're going to have Michelle Obama or whoever the Democrat nominee is win in 2024. A palatable GOP moderate is a losing proposition, will never win. Which is why I write off Mike Pence for other reasons too. I mean, for other reasons too, I, I think he, I, I will tell you, I know one thing I know about Mike Pence, you know, in 2016 after Trump won, he, he put, sorry, this thing is doing this. He, um, he put Mike Pence in charge of a committee. Trump, when he's first in 2016 or started 2017, puts Mike Pence in charge of a committee to look into election fraud in 2016 because Trump knew it even then. There was election fraud then. Trump knew it and he said so. And Mike Pence unilaterally disbanded that committee he was supposed to be heading up within six months of being the vice president. He wasn't willing to look into it. And whatever you think of the January 6th decision, I think, I think he made the wrong decision, but I have not seen the fight in Mike Pence, the clarity about where America is, what time it is in America. I've never seen it out of Mike Pence or Pompeo or Nikki Haley or Chrissy Noem. The last choice, of course, is Governor DeSantis of Florida. And Governor DeSantis, you know, he is, has done great things in Florida. I cannot, he's done great things in Florida. I'm concerned about who's funding him because the people, the mega donors right now funding him are the, I mean, I don't know what you call them, country club Republicans, the ones who want the Republican Party to shed the populist base that got Trump a victory, shed the populism, shed the populist mindset, and, and reattach itself to Wall Street and the banks and the, and the, and the, the, the high-end the high financial institutions. Those people, they're the ones funding DeSantis right now. 
the ones who want to end the populist power of the Republican Party, shut down the whole MAGA idea, reattach Republicans to the Wall Street big money people. Those are the ones funding DeSantis right now. It doesn't mean DeSantis lives there mentally. It may mean it's the only money he can find, but it is a red flag. It should be a red flag. And I raise these things because I'm telling you, there'll be so much conversation, and you will hear your friends, uh, you know, otherwise kind of clear-thinking Republicans, well, I, I, I just could never, never, ever vote for um, Trump because, uh, you know, tweets or something. And you've got to start reminding people what time it is in America, where we are in America, and, and what will happen if we let America go. Okay, I actually, uh, on this show, I think I'm kind of out of time. I can't see my happy producer over there. Um, but we... Um, I, I don't want to run over time here. We have a weird thing with the clock today. We, okay, okay. So we have nine minutes. I'll quickly say I was going to do a thing today um, related to the Republicans. This is the last thing I'll do today, and then I'll, I'll turn the other issue to another time. Um, I was going to, um, I want to talk about how uh, the investigation of Ukraine, but I want to say very quickly in closing out the show for today, and again tomorrow, I want to urge you, again I want to urge you tomorrow uh, to tune in to Carrie Lake, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, to tune in to my show tomorrow, America Can We Talk, to hear Dr. Kelly Ward, the Arizona GOP chair, joining me on the show tomorrow. Um, it, it's just going to be a, a wonderful interview. You don't want to miss her. She, she's just a rock-solid MAGA agenda, Trump-supporting um, governor, uh, I mean uh, chair of the Arizona GOP, uh, who's been trying to stand up for truth in this election era. The last thing I want to mention, um, just briefly, because this is going to become more and more in the news, as Republicans look to the new year, and they're taking over the um, House. The Republicans now have a majority of the U.S. House, just barely, but they have it. And there's been talk among some Republicans about, essentially, we need to go after and need to attempt to remove um, and investigate many individuals uh, within the Biden administration. And, and there's a little tiny bit of rhino-ish country club pushback saying, no, 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 don't do that. Let me look just as bad. Here we are criticizing Biden for the last two years because, you know, he turned the entire administration to a big investigation of Trump and we need to soldier on and put forth good pieces of legislation and show what great leaders we are and, and show that we have the leading ideas on policies. We can't get caught up and mired down in a whole bunch of investigations into the uh, Biden accomplices to this Marxist takedown of America. And I'm telling you this to say I 100% support the Republican majority in the U.S. House using their power to, to investigate the unbelievable danger posed to America, investigate the Biden accomplices who are partaking in this takedown of America. I support them. There's already talk about telling Mayorkas, if you don't resign, you are going to be probably impeached. So Mayorkas, um, one person going to be investigated, already been put on notice, you got to resign or we're going to investigate and impeach. So the, the big areas where the Republicans are saying they're going to look into it, one is the, look into these things and hold hearings and, and subpoena people and get them in front of the committee. One is the politicization of the FBI and the DOJ. People, if the Republicans do not look into what has happened to America's law enforcement agencies, it would be a travesty. 
The Republicans need to look into the FBI and the DOJ. They need to investigate. They need to figure out what in the world has happened, who's got to be removed. And I'm telling you, they can move to and impeach many of the leaders. They can impeach the, the um, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. They can impeach Christopher Wray, the FBI. They can impeach a lot of people. And some people will say, well, you know, if the Senate doesn't have the votes to remove them, okay, so be it. Let the American people see through hearings exactly how corrupt these agencies are under the Biden administration. So the three areas, again, that the, the Republicans are saying, when they have the majority in the House, they're going to investigate. One is, as I just said, the politicization of the FBI and the DOJ. Second is investigation into U.S. border security. The idea that we have a completely unenforced border a completely unenforced border, and we do nothing about it at all. I mean, literally nothing about it at all. And where we should be saying, I mean, the, the, the border is, we, it's just an open door to America of, as I keep saying, drug traffickers, child sex traffickers, the criminal, the, the uh, gangs in Mexico, jihadists. We're, we have a president who is failing, failing, to actually protect our country, yes, the GOP needs to look into the border security, get rid of Mayorkas, get rid of everyone else they can, impeach them, let the American people see what these people are all about. And the third one is President Joe, um, Joe Biden's son Hunter's and his laptop. And that I will say I'm going to get into the Hunter Biden laptop some, some show soon because I hear people say, oh, yeah, Hunter Biden laptop, Hunter Biden laptop. And I'm realizing a lot of times they're not really sure what's on it. I mean, they know it's bad stuff. They know certainly sexual perversion of, of an, in a just disgusting, un, unspeakable level of grotesqueness is, is, and that's probably the least offensive thing on Hunter Biden's laptop. It's probably the least offensive in terms of a danger to America's national security. So I'm going to do a Hunter Biden laptop show. But in the meantime, I want to tell you that's one of the three areas that the Republicans are going to say they're going to look into. And you should be encouraging your Congress, remember Congress, encouraging your senator to support these things. It would be wonderful to have much of this exposed to the American people so they recognize just how much corruption has overtaken their country. You can't get power back as Republicans and then go to the moderate, centrist, propose good policies, explain why our tax policy is better than his tax policy. You have got to expose this takedown of America at the hands of the Biden administration right in front of our faces. It must happen. We cannot let it go. We cannot let it go. More on that next time. I think we're almost out of time, so I'll turn and tell you, as I do at the close of every show, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today um, talking about um, Balenciaga. I, now I know a new fashion place to go. I've never even heard of it. Uh, perversion so normalized they couldn't see it. High-end fashion magazine Balenciaga went all in with glorification of sexualizing children. Repulsive photos of children throughout a recent issue of the magazine. No chance whatsoever that magazine editors were clueless. They know their customer base. Public uproar forced an apology from the editors, but not because they saw it as morally wrong and indefensible, but because it bothered so many people. Exposure of this perversion may be cathartic 
ordinary, decent people around the world know the sexualization of children is depraved, but elites view it as a marker of being truly elite. Disconnect between the people and the elites has never been wider or deeper. There is no path to normalizing this perversion. Nothing good can come from normalization. Society must pull back from this moral precipice. And on presidential GOP contenders, Trump and DeSantis are center stage. Um, do we not? Okay. Um, Nikki Haley, Noam, Pence, Pompeo, Scott, all testing support for their new leadership. Or maybe they're auditioning for a VP slot or a cabinet slot. Running to be best alternative to Trump misses the pulse of the American people. Saving America against the all-out leftist Marxist takedown is not possible by a moderate. Americans are looking for a clear-eyed fighter for America, as founded. Trump isn't perfect, but he has a track record as a real fighter, unbeholden to the Uniparty. Only DeSantis has traction at this stage. The others are going to have to be bold to be noticed, and their boldness must be about <clears throat> excuse me, must be about fighting Marxists, not fighting Trump. Do any of them have what it takes? And he thinks not, but we'll see. And finally, GOP to investigate Biden accomplices. Uh, 42 Biden officials have been notified of House investigation and hearings. MAGA movement wants accountability, not photo ops and strongly worded letters. MAGA wants the J6 committee expanded. Oh, I forgot to hit this point. They should expand the committee, investigate Pelosi's refusal of troops, release 14,000 hours of video, get answers and FBI involvement. It would be a beautiful thing. Turn the January 6th committee into a real committee looking for truth. Slim GOP House majority will test GOP leadership resolve. McCarthy hasn't been elected speaker yet. Will he have to get tougher to get Freedom Caucus support? Or will he go softer and peel off Dem voters to win? I mean, Democrat representatives to win. Stolen elections may mask the mood of the American people. Ruling class tiptoeing in response to the Marxist destruction of America will not satisfy an awakened America. And we can cut off on that one because I didn't get to my last topic. I was going to talk about, they're actually talking about in investigating Ukraine and money laundering and where every single dime went. That would be a beautiful thing. We're out of time, so I want to tell you again, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear